the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. visionary friends, and thank you for joining us on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading experts, bringing evolutionary solutions to today's unique problems. In recent episodes, we've been doing a COVID-19 series, speaking to numerous experts who've shared an amazing amount of knowledge on the subject. To access that body of knowledge, visit our archives at missionevolution.org. Next, we'll focus on the brand new landscape in which we now find ourselves and the tools to help us move forward. Your input is a very important part of these discussions. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions, and we'll discuss them on the very next show. So put on your thinking cap, take notes, and enjoy. This hour, we'll consider transmutation, finding and healing your core wound. It's virtually impossible to move forward from where we are and evolve into our potential when bogged down by old wounding. As long as we carry damage from our past, we tend to superimpose that damage onto the present and make a rerun out of the future. The challenge is finding and healing the hidden damage that limits our power and sabotages our lives. With us this hour to discuss transmuting old wounds is Lisa Tahir. Lisa is the author of The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. She's a licensed clinical social worker in Louisiana and California with private practice office in both Los Angeles and New Orleans. Additionally, she's certified in EMDR Level 1, Reiki Level 2, and is a thought coach through the Institute for Transformational Thinking. Lisa's passionately committed to working with people to help them heal by utilizing intuition, therapy, energy healing, meditation, Reiki, crystal healing, nutrition, sound frequencies, and yoga. Her website, nolatherapy.com. That's N-O-L-A therapy.com. Lisa, on behalf of our listeners and myself, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Gwilda, thank you for having me today on your show. I'm really delighted to be with you and your listeners. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Now, your bio lists an impressive number of healing modalities such as EMDR, energy healing, meditation, Reiki, crystal healing, nutrition, sound frequencies, and yoga. As a licensed clinical social worker, what drove you in all these different directions? You know, that's a really good question, Gwilda. I, in my experience, just living life and professionally, people are all unique and different and I find that it's not a cookie cutter process, the healing process, the transformational journey. And so for myself, I've been really compelled and interested in learning about healing through different systems, through energy systems, utilizing Reiki and intuition, through the mind with practices like meditation and the use of affirmations psychologically with revisiting our our core wounds and healing them through empathy and self-forgiveness. So for me, it's just a really exciting, it's so exciting that we're always growing and evolving. And I know you utilize uh, shamanistic healing, and which is something I don't know a lot about. And, and just again, we all are like facets of a diamond, reflecting each other and being reflected. So where'd you study all these modalities? Various places. I received my master's in social work from Tulane University here in New Orleans, Louisiana. And when I went to Los Angeles six years ago, I started taking intuitive development classes under my Reiki master teacher and uh, different seminars and reading. So it's all been this really beautiful evolution and process that I really want to impart 
to to our listeners and to my clients that there's so many ways to heal. And that's the good news, right? Because there's yeah. certainly cer- certainly plenty of ways of getting damaged. Would would you mind explaining what exactly is core wounding? What do you mean by that? Well, the notion of core wounding has been around and spoken about in so many ways. Carl Jung talked about archetypes and Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, is the archetype of the wounded healer, articulated first by Sigmund Freud in 1914, where he spoke about the repetition compulsion, how we repeat unconscious patterns, trying to master them, trying to heal and overcome, yet when we don't have knowledge on how to do that exactly, we find ourselves in the same feedback loop. It was spoken about as well by Eric Erickson, who fathered the stages of psychosocial development and talked about the way people make the same mistakes over and over and how we unconsciously arrange for variations of an original theme, which we haven't learned to quite overcome. And so I received a meditation the word Chiron, and I sought to expand the wounded healer archetype. And just our wounds are really vulnerabilities, Gwilda. They're just areas of vulnerability that we tend to want to hide from others. We don't want others to see where we feel vulnerable or weak. And So, uh, so yeah. does, every, does everyone have core wounds or just some of us? Well, an example of core wounds, to break it down specifically, abandonment, neglect, a lack of feeling valued and worthy. And I think when you've lived enough life that we go through experiences that cause us to have experiences of, you know, feeling disconnected from community and from ourselves, not knowing how to quite care for ourselves, how to man, go on. If, if we all have core wounds, um, what are other names for them in the psychological field? Like I was saying, vulnerability, weakness, areas of fear, areas where we don't forgive ourselves, where we lack compassion for ourselves. Those are other words for core wounds. Okay. So, so how does core wounding impact our lives? Core wounding impacts our lives because we judge and shame ourselves for having these areas of vulnerability. We feel less than and not good enough. And in that place of disempowerment, we're really not able to live our most fulfilled and happy lives. We block ourselves from having what we really want because the shame prevents us from from being, from receiving what we say we want from our lives and from others. Hmm. So, you know, when you investigate history, people of today seem to have it a lot better than our ancestors. Why all the wounding and why so much focus on the wounding? Well, the focus on the wounding is just a departure point for the healing, for the transformation. We have to know what areas of vulnerability, you know, we're most affected by in order to really focus our affirmation work, our meditation, our praising ourselves, our forgiving ourselves. So my, my work is truly about telling a new story based on where we feel vulnerable, where we feel sensitive, that we can strengthen and bolster those parts of ourselves to be really powerful in our lives. You know, it would seem some people tend to just go round and round with their wounding, but never really get beyond it. Um, Why is that? And how can we shift that? Let me take a moment with that to be thoughtful. I think people are all trying to do the best they can in their own way. And sometimes we don't know why we feel stuck, why certain themes or issues tend to surround us. And so I think it's by taking that deeper dive into asking our discomfort, what information it has for us, and then listening is where we start to receive information from our inner beings on which way to move, which way to show up for ourselves differently. And so I think it's really in our desire to heal that that we're in the places that we are. Do we tend to define ourselves by our core wounds if we're unconscious of them? Well, as Carl Jung said, when, when we haven't made the unconscious conscious, it directs our life. That's a, my kind of, summation of it. And I think that that we do tend to live from these places of our shadow um, when we haven't 
really owned those disowned parts of ourselves because we feel judgment of them, because we feel shame because of them. And I really encourage people to take those vulnerabilities and shine the light of consciousness upon them with compassion and understanding and love so that we can transform them. So exactly how, do, how does one do that? I mean, if they're unconscious, um, therein lies the problem. We're not conscious of them. How can we bring it forward enough to start to recognizing it? Well, in my work, you I have an interactive website where you enter your birth data as much as you have, and it generates one of the 12 core woundings based on your astrological chart. And for me, for example, it's Chiron in the sign of Aries, and that indicates core wounding and my sense of value and worth. And a person with this placement Despite professional success, despite awards, despite a certain amount of material success, still feels not good enough and may engage in people pleasing and overworking to be loved, believing that you're saying based on our horoscope that that's where our core wounds come from. Just the placement of Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, who is the wounded healer archetype that Carl Jung spoke about. Yes, that reveals our area of vulnerability where we can focus our healing efforts upon to transform. How does that work? I mean, you think you come in as a baby, right, under a particular sign. Does that dictate who and what's going to wound you in this lifetime? That's where I invite listeners and readers to see for themselves. Chiron is different than your sign. Like you're born a certain sign. Chiron is a completely different placement and revelation about yourself. And so I invite my readers to to see, you know, how this fits for them. And my work and experience, people are really amazed at how this this process, this system, this technology really works for them. So I can't answer that for you. You have to, you know, dig in and see if it fits or not. I'm just offering one paradigm among others to help people live happier and healthier lives. So how much of our behavior and beliefs revolve? The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Around unhealed core wounding. I think that depends on the individual. I know for myself, though I, I didn't know my main vulnerability was in a sense of value and worth, I've tried to heal that just through being a podcaster, being a therapist. I find a lot of people are kind of on their path. They just need a little encouragement and a little more clarity. So I don't think most people are walking around in complete unconsciousness. There's so much material now. There's practitioners like you, you know, helping people to learn more about who they are. So again, my system is just another way for people to learn to love themselves more deeply. You know, it seems that, um, our intention and bottom line kind of drives our life. Do we have different core wounds standing in front of different intentions or is it all one affecting everything we do? Can you ask that in a different way? Mm -hmm. So um, how much does what you're intending to do with your life impact what wound you end up working on? You know, I think that, again, depends on the individual. We're all motivated by different forces, by different things, by different desires. So I don't I don't know that one impacts more than the other. I think that's really up to the individual. No, what I, what I was trying to say is do different core do we have more than one core wound and do they affect different areas of our life? Oh, that's a thank you. I appreciate the clarification. So there is one main area of core wounding, like I use myself as the example, and and my sense of value and worth. And that really resonated in how, though I have a U.S. patent, a nonprofit, I've experienced lots of success, that I still felt like a part of me wasn't quite good enough. And I looked to healing that younger part of myself. So that's my main area of core wounding. However, Being almost 50 years old, of course, I've experienced neglect, a lack of emotional attunement, feeling abandoned or not creative. And so my work illuminates. Yeah. 
We are about out of time for this segment. Sure. But when we come back, we'll go a little deeper into how can we tell what's a core wound and what's just a superficial one. Sure. (laughs) It is time for that commercial break. Lisa and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to Mission Evolution, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net. Again, this is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To all of our faithful and thoughtful listeners, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about the long-term effects of core wounding? This in from a member of our audience regarding the episode entitled COVID-19 Drug Repurposing, PC states, this show really gave me hope. I feel so much better knowing how many fine people are working day and night to solve the COVID-19 problem. Thanks, PC. Dr. Fagenbaum was a wealth of information and gave me hope as well. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org, listen to the episode entitled COVID-19 Drug Repurposing, and let us know what you think. Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can all address them on the next show. With us this hour discussing identifying core wounds is Lisa Tahir. Her website, nolatherapy.com. Lisa, we were just getting into trying to puzzle out the difference between the bumps and bruises that we get along the way and core wounding that we, from what I understand, you say we kind of come with it? Hey, Gwilda. Yeah, um, you know, just to set kind of an overarching uh, lens to look through is that my work is to help people heal from whatever experiences they've gone through that leads them to feel disconnected from themselves, disconnected from a sense of their purpose and meaning and why they're here. And that can happen when someone dies, when we go through the loss of a relationship, when something changes and we don't quite know how to stabilize. Like right now, COVID-19 in this pandemic, so many changes that we did not foresee The landscape of our lives look differently. So what do we do? And in my book, I offer takeaway steps to deal with various things such as loss and grief, abandonment, and they're all important. And so that's why my book is really comprehensive that you can... So how, how do we know when it's time to move on from focusing on our wounding and get on with life? How do we know when we have enough on deck we can do that? Well, our body is intuitive. I'm you know, inviting you to think about your own experiences, Gwilda, and those of you listening, like we have an innate sense on how to heal and grief and loss, for instance, is different for everyone. So we need to listen to ourselves with compassion and sensitivity instead of forcing ourselves to do something because we should. So instead of following other people's formulas, we need to get more introspective? Absolutely. And listen to our own intuition. So what's the first sign that you tell your life is really being limited by, by your past wounds? Feeling depression, feeling uh, like a lack of being able to see life in color, to feel pleasure, for instance. I think anyone listening knows when they're in that spot, just they don't have the motivation. They don't feel that connection to their joy and happiness. And a lot of people have been experiencing that during the pandemic because it's kind of been an overwhelming uh, shift and change that we did not anticipate. How do you, what, what do you see as our opportunities? You know, yeah, we're, we've been through this, or are in the middle of it again, <laughs> pandemic. But, you know, behind every dark cloud is a silver lining. How can we transmute this experience into our own healing? I have seen people using this time and this opportunity to go more inward in the limitation of social activity and being able to be out and about distracting ourselves. There is the invitation to take time to journal, to meditate, to read, to take an online class, to do more self-caring type rituals and behaviors that will enrich ourselves. 
It's amazing to me, though, how many of us have really used our jobs as a distraction from the pain we feel from our wounding. Can you say a little more about that? Mm-hmm. So uh, what I was about to ask is many of us have used our jobs and our busy day-to-day lives to keep us distracted from how we really feel uh, as a result of whatever wounds we're carrying. Um, so there's a challenge for a lot of people being still and being with themselves. Do you have any advice around that? I do. And I think what you're addressing has to do with performance-based self-esteem that in the U.S. we tend to be really good at, that it's our output, it's what we're doing that defines our worth and our importance. And in this very unique time that we don't foresee an end per se. It is a new way of living and being and getting creative with our work, especially with our social connections. I I see it as just evolving over time and people getting a little more comfortable with what is. Do you see that? I I see it going both ways. Um, the other the other thing I see is as a result of being stewing in their own juices, a lot of people have gotten very reactionary around wh- whether it's around wearing masks or you know any number of things that are going on right out on out there right now. It can look pretty crazy. How much of that has to do with the fact that we're being confronted with things that we haven't processed? Well, I think when something happens beyond our control, a natural disaster or a pandemic like we're in right now, issues, problems, so to speak, that were dormant really come up because we don't have the array of activities. We don't have what we used to do to distract or even care for ourselves. It doesn't have to be negative. Like we don't have all the ways, you know, the yoga classes, the group meditations, the the way we'd come together at concerts and really enjoyable venues. And so I think whatever areas that we've, we've you know, been struggling with really come up to be looked at, to be addressed. And that is the opportunity right now to really look at ourselves. Yes, we've, we've kind of um, auto, autopiloted ourselves into a, into a corner, really, um, where we haven't taken the time to be introspective and to make the corrections when we start sliding off our path. If we can start to do this, is that going to really push us into the place where we look at what our wounding is and how we're coming from a place of wounding rather than our natural expression? You know, yes, and I think another way to say that is His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama, endorsed my book just about three weeks ago. And one of the things he said in his letter to me is that he really, though he's not a student of astrology, he does recognize the role of compassion and self-forgiveness and empathy to heal and transform ourselves. And that is the purpose of my work. He talks about emotional hygiene. And so I think we can all with consciousness and with intention, go through a process of cleaning up our emotions, like bringing the hygiene principles of washing hands to our emotions, to really learning to communicate more clearly, more authentically. And so that's something just to put out here to our listeners. Yeah, I love that emotional hygiene. Boy, do we, we certainly need some of that. And it seems like it's a skill that's not necessarily taught in our society. How can a person learn about this and learn the techniques to do so? Well, I think actually, Gwilda, they're more out here than ever. Shows like yours, introducing people to consciously evolving through various practices. There are so many, like Deepak Chopra doing almost constant live Facebooks talking about meditation and evolution. I've never seen more methods put out on social media than today. A lot of free uh, guided meditations and such that people can take advantage of by just opening their Facebook or Instagram. So I actually think the resources are everywhere and available right now easily. So once you've decided you have wounds that are impairing you, how do you isolate what they are? so that you can work on them? Well, from my paradigm, you would you would utilize a system in, in my book. And every, every core wounding, I offer takeaway steps, mantras, affirmation, and a meditation. So when people get my book, they'll be able to do that. They'll be able to self-heal through these processes. So let's back up a little bit. I'm, I'm still unclear. What exactly is Chiron? Chiron was discovered in 1977. It is a comet and minor planet that 
speaks to our core wounds, our areas of vulnerability based on the date, time, and place of our birth. And Chiron is also found in an astrological house, 1 through 12. And the house that your Chiron is in talks about where this core wound, where our vulnerabilities manifest. Is it in the workplace? Is it in our intimate partnerships? Is it on, is it with uh, our ability to connect to our sense of God and purpose? And so my book, it, it lays it all out, Gwilda. I mean, so, it's like right in front of you in black and white, which is so, so exciting. If it, it was discovered, you said in 1977, is that correct? Yes, the comet and minor planet Chiron was. Okay, so we're out there, we're looking at the stars, somebody discovers Chiron. How do we take the step from it being an a, a object in the sky to all of this um, metaphorical, if you will, information about our core wounding? Well, Chiron was also a centaur in Greek mythology who was wounded by a poisonous arrow. And because of his affliction, it put him in touch with our human frailty. And that's how he became the founding father of the medical arts and the healing arts. He asked Zeus to take his life so because he couldn't deal with the pain, which is the metaphor of how many of us, our pain sometime wants us to even end our own existence, but it's really the pain we want to end, not our lives. So in okay, this so, way, So yeah. we have, this, we have this, this rock in the sky, and some human decided to name him after Chiron. Is that correct? Sure, an, an astronomer, Charles Cowell. Yes, Dr. Cowell. So then he's the one that's given that rock in the sky its attributes by choosing that particular name. He gave it that name because Chiron is in the centaur class of comets. And so Chiron was a centaur. So, yes, he named the comet after the centaur, who is the founding father of the healing arts in Greek mythology. It's really hard to see which comes first, the chicken or the egg, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> So how how long have we known about Chiron since 77? Was there anything else that uh, represented that before that time? Well, yeah, Chiron has been in astrology since astrology was invented however many hundreds of years ago. So Chiron has been in existence as long as astrology was founded by, I don't know if it was the Greeks or exactly who it was. It's been around. It's part of astrology, which is an so ancient ancient wisdom. That it is. So what exactly is the Chiron effect that you speak of? The Chiron effect, when you look at your life, and those of you listening right now, look at your people, places, and things that you habituate. That is your orbit. That is your frequency in life that we tend to gravitate in these same patterns to these same places and people and friends. And so that sets a frequency, when we want to up-level, when we want to shift into bringing better things into our lives, we need to change some of our people, places, and things, and our belief systems. So the Chiron effect is about changing your underlying belief system so that you can introduce the newer and better things into your life and habituate a new frequency, new patterns. Well, it would, it would occur to me that if you... Um... Uh, introduce the new frequency into yourself first, then the push-pull of life will kind of take care of who, who, who and what you have around you. Is that accurate? When you say the new frequency, to me, I think of frequency as, as energy, and our thoughts carry energy, our belief systems. So for me, we really have to work at the level of cause, which is the mind, which are our belief systems. So right. that's that exactly what, what I was hoping you get to because it's not about the people we're around we're around the people we're around because of what we are exactly and they feed each other the people we're around feed our thoughts our thoughts feed the people so it's really a feedback loop and it can get pretty redundant if we don't continue to heal yeah if we don't if we don't desire to adopt new beliefs that support us that affirm us how can we tell that we're kind of bogged down in uh, beliefs that aren't supporting us our emotions. Our emotions are our biggest guidance system. Our emotions tell us if we're on track with what we want or not. And often we want things we don't believe we can have. And that's where I seek to really help people to, to actually start believing you can have what you want because you are valuable and you are enough. And it's by working at that deeper belief level that we start to actually show up differently 
in our lives, asking for what we want, asking for that raise, asking that person out, you know, seeking certain experiences that we might have been fearful of asking because of rejection. Well, we're going to have to pick up on this on the other side of yet another commercial break. Lisa and I will return to our discussion shortly, so you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution, and we're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Lisa and I will return. Don't you go away. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire Leading Edge information-packed past episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. Our guest this hour is Lisa Tahir. We're speaking about introspection through astrology. Her website, nolatherapy.com. Lisa, there's there's two two rabbit holes I'd like to go down here. Sure. One of them is how do you use the information that you're getting from from where your your relationship the Chiron effect to how to being becoming introspective and starting the work. Well, I lay out a system, and the first section of it is creating the container for change is what I call it, and it's where you select a journal that you're going to use during this inward journey in looking at yourself and the thoughts and feelings that come up as you go through your own memories and making sure you have a support system. So when you do come up against a memory that might be painful, that you have someone to help guide you through it, it's an excavation process. It sounds um, like it can be a little challenging. Well, like life, you know, life, it, it, like it, it's, it's a system where we can really, truly transform. Self-forgiveness is at the foundation of my work and self-compassion. And it's about every day we tend to wake up and start judging ourselves immediately instead of affirming and loving ourselves, saying how important we are to ourselves, the value that we bring to life. And I really want people to learn to support themselves through their beliefs so that they can really know their true power and evolve. So so what is psychoastrology? You speak of that. Psychoastrology is where our personal psychology meets our natal astrology. And for me, it's Chiron. I'm not an astrologer. I'm a psychotherapist of over 20 years, but I have studied, uh, I'm an expert on Chiron, on how we can transform our deepest vulnerabilities into our greatest sources of power and then teach and help others should we choose, be it our children, our partners, or our friends. So how can we heal our core wounds through astrology? Actually, the, the astrology is just the diagnostic point. The remediation and the healing is th- found through taking personal responsibility, through spirituality, and through psych- psychological practices. So what kind of spirituality um, are you talking about here? Well, in my perspective, I'm inclusive. My personal paradigm is one of the universe, of higher consciousness, of infinite mind, and how we are all connected on that universal platform in the quantum field. However, I have a section about inclusion that I want individuals to bring their belief system. If you're a scientist, if you're an atheist, you might find you know, divinity or connection in nature. So my book really speaks to all people of all belief systems to really apply what you believe. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I'm here to help you bring out from yourself what you believe and embrace it and rock it out in your world. So is there a difference between Chiron's core wound and astrological sign versus an astrological house of your birth chart? Yes, the difference is that the astrological sign Chiron is in identifies one of 12 areas of vulnerability and wounding. And the astrological house Chiron is in shows you where it manifests, the area of your life that it manifests. 
Well, that's that's an interesting uh, distinction. So if you if you look at the two of them together, you get more of a um, by by. What do I want to say? You're you're triangulating the information, and then from there, do you decide on what modality will be the best way to go? Well, every chapter gives you specific examples to help based on your core wounding. Some people might need to give themselves permission to have more pleasure and enjoyment in their lives, for example. And some people might need to learn to set some boundaries with themselves and others. So it depends on what your vulnerability is. I, I really laid out, I spent four years writing and yeah, researching so I was, this book. Yeah, so I was actually wondering, um, not so much about um, what's in your book or what you're telling people to do, but the, the process of uh, comparing the astrological sign versus your birth house, your, your house and your birth chart. What does looking at those two together, what information do you get from that? It helps you know what your area of vulnerability is and then where it manifests. Like for oh, me, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. Does that yeah. answer your question more specifically? Yes, it does. It okay, does. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So are, are humans the only ones that are affected by Chiron? No, uh, Chiron appears in the birth chart of corporations, businesses, and of countries. That's, that's pretty impressive. really interesting. Yeah so, yeah, so you can take take that information and say, okay, my business has this weakness. How do we shore that up? Exactly. Or even right now, when the Declaration of Independence was signed for the U.S. to be born, Chiron was in Aries in the fourth house, which has to do with the way we take care of our own people, which might seem weird that we have a vulnerability or wounding in that area. But when we, we look at how America's really gone to aid and assist so many other countries, but yet not really taken good enough care of our own inhabitants as we're seeing right now. So it's an opportunity even in the election, whichever way you lean, to really vote your consciousness on what you see needs to happen for us you know, to be better cared for. So, so bearing in mind the wounding of anything, whether it's a corporation, a country, or an individual, gives you an idea of which direction to go for uh, counterbalancing it. If you come in with a core wound, you know, you can tell through the charts, is it always a case of counterbalancing or can we actually heal that? We can definitely heal. And again, free will dominates. So, you know, I invite people to take my work and apply it to where they have had suffering and problems to transform those areas. Um, Can you say the last part of your question again, Gulda, please? I was wondering if we're just stuck with this core wounding and it's a matter of compensating for the rest of our life or if we can actually heal it once we've located it. Absolutely. Just like in all transformational work, the the goal, the desire is for full healing, for full resolution. And as a therapist and for anyone out there that's that's been on their own healing path, you know, it's like a vol- the volume of a stereo. It might be blaringly loud, our pain, our discomfort, but over time through the healing work that we do, the volume gets turned down to a manageable level to where it's not even detectable. And we might experience triggers that sometimes bring up that vulnerability or wound. But again, we have more tools in our toolbox now to handle our triggers and would navigate you, Would you them. mind backing up a little bit and, and describe for us what you mean by trigger? A trigger is just an energetic attachment. It's like a landmine. Like we might be at the grocery store going about our day and we hear someone talk about losing a baby and it's like, oh my gosh, suddenly you're reminded of the miscarriage you had 20 years ago and you might go through some of those feelings of loss and grief. A trigger, you know, happens just kind of without outside of our awareness and suddenly we're flooded with emotions and feelings that we thought might be dormant or not even there anymore. So we're triggered into unhealed wounding. Is that correct? Uh, you know, unhealed is it might be the case for some people. But think about it. When someone dies, you know, I don't know that that's a, a loss that ever we're ever going to feel great about. You know, we're not going to think about our parent necessarily and be like, I'm thrilled that happened. So I think, again, if you soften the language, an area of vulnerability, an area of tenderness, we all have some areas of just tenderness that need our love and attention whenever they come up in our lifespans. So, so far, 2020 has been a, a pretty rough ride for most people. Are the events of our times adding to our core wounding and to our triggers? You know, I think the events of our times are are illuminating what's 
what's already there, you know, and certainly, I mean, I don't know, it's so we're still in the pandemic. Like, I've never been through a pandemic. I don't know that you have. I think this is kind of new for all of us. So I think only time will tell all that this this period of history, you know, is about. So I'm in the middle of it with you. I don't know that I have that answer. So how does our core wounding impact our ability to respond well during crises such as the ones we're in? Well, I think how does our core wounding impair our ability to respond? Is that is that mm-hmm. your question? Pretty much, yes. I don't know that I see a correlation there per se. Um, I don't know if there's another way you can ask that to me. Well, it seems like if, if indeed our wounding creates triggers and we're in a situation that we keep getting triggered, once we're triggered, that throws us into the back brain, I believe. So we're in fight or flight and there's no logic. So does our ability to respond uh, creatively in, in, the, in the face of a crisis depend on how processed we are? You know, I think the, the hope lies and the answer lies in our resilience and people are we're stronger than we know. So I think it's a rare case that we're so destabilized that we cannot respond at all. You know, I think we're all, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have, I don't know that I'm really feeling this question in the way that, that I can give an answer, Gwilda. Okay. That's good enough. Oh, what are the signs that we're coming from our woundedness rather than true expression? And, you know, we're coming from a trigger. We're coming from woundedness. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a great question. I think when we feel really defensive, when we feel like you just mentioned the fight, flight or freeze response, I think that's an indicator to take a breath, to slow down, to even ask the person we might be engaging with. Hey, I think I need a time out here to gather my thoughts. I'm just kind of how I was just feeling. I felt like it was, you know, I, I need some time with that question. I don't, I don't have an off-the-cuff response, for example. And I think it's okay to say when we don't know something, to give ourselves permission to be authentic. Boy, authenticity is a huge piece, isn't it? And yeah. how can one access authenticity if they're still steeped in shame? Well, I think it's an, it's an interactive process that we can we can access authenticity by being really patient and loving with ourselves. The affirmation, hey, sweetie, you know, I see you're feeling a challenge right now. What do you really believe to be true about this? Our self-talk, really dialoguing with ourselves to get to our authentic voice, even if we're feeling shame or sadness, we can still access those places. We're not cut off from them. Well, you know, you originally said uh, there's a lot of um, nice modalities being offered on on social media, and I agree. There there are some wonderful things being offered there, but there's also some very polarized um, thoughts and um, um, beliefs that is being touted there as well. How can we protect ourselves from the polarization that would tend to throw us into our back brain and out of logic and out of self-compassion? You know, as I've been conversing with friends and colleagues about about this very topic, it's up to our, our own selves to govern whether we jump into that conversation or not on social media. And I think it's up to our own consciousness what feels right. I've been more of an observer of just, okay, noticing the emotional climate um, around the election, for example, and choosing to take that to my meditation, to really send love to this time in our in our country, and to really just get clear on what my vote will be, why that is. So I think really taking personal responsibility over our actions, governing our responses on social media. So in other words, you, you might be reading along, something will trigger you. If you can recognize that you're triggered, and take it to your meditation rather than responding from the trigger, then you're starting to move in the direction you're wanting to go. Is that correct? That's true for me. I know for other people, I've heard them say, Lisa, you know, I feel like it's my right to speak out and share my voice. So again, you know, you have to follow your own consciousness on whether you're going to react, whether you're going to respond, or whether you're going to just kind of observe and and not engage. But if much of us is unconscious, that can be a real challenge, can't it? 
You know, I don't know that there's so much that's unconscious. I think it's pretty conscious when you're reading social media and you have a reaction to what we're, what you're seeing on the screen. That's pretty conscious to me of the choice is what are you going to do with it now? You know, are you going to jump in to share your voice because that really is your authentic self or is it more authentic, you know, to keep that to yourself and maybe call the person personally one-on-one or text them. Hey, I saw your post. I'd like to talk about this privately. Well, I think we have options. It's that magic moment again. We do need to take another commercial break. Lisa and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion. So don't go away. This is Mission Evolution on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or guest that you think would be of interest, email us at info at missionevolution.org. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. This hour, we're sharing thoughts with Lisa Tahir. Her website, nolatherapy.com. That's N-O-L-A therapy.com. Lisa, we were um, just getting into some really interesting um, you know, thoughts about how, how it's up to each individual to choose how to react or act. Um, however, let's go back to, you know, what the theme here was when we started out, and that's tr- finding and healing your core wound, transmuting your life and your experience through doing that. Um, what is the first step to doing that, and how can that impact the way we react to things in our world? Really good question, Gwilda. A first step to me is just acknowledging that we have areas of vulnerability and that's okay. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to hold ourselves to a standard that we can't manage or live up to. It's really about affirming who we are right now as we are being perfect and works in progress. Let's talk a little bit about identity because it sounds like that's what we've been kind of looking at is where do you identify? Do you identify with your wounding? Um, Do you identify with your shame? How can we identify with the gift of who we are and just observe those other things from a distance? Wonderful question. Again, it's it's through the process of empathy and self-forgiveness that we're able to hold all of that simultaneously that you just said through having empathetic attunement to ourselves and forgiving ourselves for where we didn't show up, forgiving ourselves where we might have blown it even, and knowing that we just might not have had the tools or the skills to respond differently, but we can learn them now. We can always change and grow and learn new skills and techniques to manage our emotions and direct our lives in new ways. There's this wonderful quote, and I really wish I could tell you who it came from, but um, she was a lovely black lady, and she says, do your best until you know better, and then do better. Yes. Yes to that. You know, we, we are all in process. It seems to me that what we're looking at is trying to have empathy for ourselves in process. Is that That's what you're exactly, talking about? That's exactly the journey to transformation. Yes. So if we have empathy for ourselves and we don't go into shame and deny it and it goes unconscious. Or when we do have shame, you know, that's shame and guilt are two different emotions. Guilt can be healthy. Guilt can let us know when we've done something that violates our moral compass, our moral code. And that's okay because it's like, oh, okay, no, I need to act differently, speak differently or do differently. Shame is where we feel bad about who we are as a human being and that's where the love and the empathy and the forgiveness comes like no just because you did something or said something that doesn't feel right to you doesn't mean you're bad or you're wrong so that's the difference between shame and guilt that sometimes people confuse you know there's much talk of epigenetics right now and i don't know if, if you've looked into this much but has some of our wounding been passed down generationally through our dna 
I mean, certainly scientists talk about the nature versus nurture. And so I'm not a scientist in that way. So I don't know what proportion is ascribed to both. For me, you know, I encourage my clients to, to be their own judge of that. We know our family histories. We know the stories, the traditions that were passed down through our own lineage. And I think today, as we talked about earlier, there's so much out there to heal and transform and change. It's just the information is is so powerful and available that we have access to it, to change and heal, whether it's generational, genetic, or just through our own life experience. Do you think that if we choose to heal our core wounds, uh, it will impact our descendants? And if so, how? Absolutely. It's by taking responsibility for our healing that we change things for future generations. We might not have been able to stop or help or have control over what has come before us, but we certainly can take personal responsibility now and make it our business to do things differently so that future generations will have we'll just be happier and, and healthier. It seems like we've compiled quite a bit of, of generational damage from our belief systems, um, the isolation that a lot of us have suffered um, through our ideas and, and um, you know, thought forms that have been passed down. What's it going to look like if we can start freeing ourselves of those? Well, my work is on the micro level versus the macro level. I work with individual clients. And so that's where I see, that's where my strength is, is, is empowering people at the micro level with who you are today. What can you do for yourself? And by really being accountable and cleaning up, you know, your own psychology, your own emotions, the emotional hygiene, His Holiness talks about, that in that way, you're allowing permitting others, modeling for others to do the same. You know, if we all carry core wounds, which we've decided we do to some degree or another, and respond from woundedness rather than true expression for the most part, what is our potential? Should we heal that? You know, and I think it varies from individual to individual. Are you responding from your wound or are you responding from your healing? So I think it depends on where you are in your personal evolution, which way you're responding versus reacting. And so that's what I think is, again, up to the individual and their own awareness of themselves. You know, it's, it's, it appears that, you know, like we said, there's been a, quite a bit of baggage passed down over the generations, and uh, society as a whole carries a fair amount of healing. What happens if, as an individual, we do this work, but we heal beyond society? Will we have any really way to relate back? Can you ask that in a different way again, Gwilda? Mm-hmm. Um Their societal wounds are such that people accept them as the norm. Once a person enters into their healing process, oftentimes there comes a point where you're going to heal beyond the general societal belief system. How can we do that without becoming isolated and uh, alienated? Well, I see that today with Black Lives Matter and and the way we're addressing racism in the U.S., that viewing it as a systemic problem and really unearthing and exposing all of those layers. And it'll be exciting to see how our system changes as a result of individuals standing up, speaking up, protesting, and really expressing how this can't go on anymore. So I'm interested to see, too, how this impacts us all. It's going to be fun to know, isn't it? Yeah. What's your vision? What 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 do you see as it how how it will impact us? That people really coming together with more compassion, the recognition that we are one regardless of race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, that we are human beings that all share this commonality and what we do to ourselves and each other impacts energetically and to come together with more love and compassion for each other. So if, if are you saying that if we have more love and compassion for ourselves, that sets up a frequency that we can also share it with others? Yeah, when we're in that frequency of love and appreciation of ourselves, it can't help but overflow to our brothers and sisters around us. You respond to people differently because you see yourself in them. So you're less likely to dehumanize them or marginalize them. You're responding to them as you would like to be responded to yourself with more kindness. 
do we become more conscious of our own, you know, our, of ourselves and of our own triggers so that they don't get in the mix of our interactions? I know, I know I do for sure, uh, having consciousness over what triggers me so I can be sensitive to that area of my vulnerability so that I respond to others with compassion and kindness. And that's the invitation to our listeners is to be on that path and journey of compassionate living. There's really no um, way to do that without coming to know yourself, though, is there? That's definitely the entry point, really deeply learning to know yourself and love yourself. Yes, Gwilda. Boy, if we could all do that, wouldn't it be a different world? Yes. How can we transmute these trying times into an evolutionary experience? I mean, I think we're in it. I think regardless of if we want it to be evolutionary or not, it is. We're all asked to change. The whole world has changed. I don't know of a time where we've all had to just stop and do things differently. So I think the universe itself has reorganized us to be evolutionary right now. I I love the way you said that because we did, we had to stop everything and with no warning whatsoever. Yeah. And, and when you, when everything stops, all of a sudden it's, it becomes visible, doesn't it? Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's been so many changes. Some of them we're not real happy with, but I'll bet on the other side that we're going to be seeing um, a different world in a good way as a result of how we handle it today. I am with you on that. Absolutely. (laughs) So given the hundredth monkey theory, how many of us need to participate in healing to make an overall difference? I think it's even one person, Gwilda, that we have our own universe. We, We are orbit and orbit surrounding. And so you as a listener making any small change to heal, to, to love yourself and be more empathetic and compassionate to others, it's enough for one person. It's, it's amazing the impact that we do have. And I think the, um, you've mentioned it, satellite. Okay, so we're not, we're not isolated. Everyone's life, there's t- lives we touch we don't even know. Yes. You know, somebody we let get in on the highway or, you know, maybe not even that close up. If we start to uh, resonate with a, a higher frequency or a more expansive frequency of love and appreciation for ourselves and each other, that can spread. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, yes. So what's your, your vision for our future moving forward? Is for people to to have permission to permit themselves to live more authentically versus competition and comparison with others and feeling like we just have to perform and and outwardly have shows of success monetarily that really aren't bringing us happiness, that people really allow themselves to pursue their happiness at the emotional level, at the internal level, and then do as a result whatever that means for them. That's going to take a fair amount of introspection, though, isn't it? Because we're taught what we want versus being able to access our true desire within. Um, How can a person start to tell when they're coming from what they've been taught to want and what they really do want? Again, I see those times as changing as a result of, of the process the pandemic has kind of thrown us into where people are more authentically pursuing what they want because kind of what else are you going to do? Like things are so radically different that there's so much opportunity that I see people taking to make this change, to take the steps to, you know, whether they've lost their job or whether they're looking to make a change in their job from choice that we, I think the energy itself of the universe is presenting that to us at a global scale because of the pandemic that we're in. It's amazing the opportunity of chaos, is it not? Yeah, that's another wonderful way to say it. Yes. Yeah, just just amazing. So out of this seeming chaos where everything that we've known has been shattered or rearranged, we have more power to change than before, don't we? Yes. What, what, a, what a wonderful opportunity. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you were able to come on the show and share your um, wisdom with us and teach us about Chiron. That was very interesting. And um, keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you so much for your thoughtful questions, Gwilda. I really appreciate the way you, you thought and pushed me today. I'm deeply appreciative. Well, it was a lot of fun working with you. Unfortunately, we are out of time. And thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. You bet.
Our guest this hour has been licensed clinical social worker Lisa Tahir, author of The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. Her website, nolatherapy.com. Please remember our entire information packed past episode collection is available for listen or download free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Now, do remember we have an entire COVID-19 collection of episodes featuring a lot of very wise and uh, giving people. So you can always look at that on our website, www.missionevolution.org. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world. Thank you.